Greetings, Octopods, and welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for that right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the peanut butter and jelly sandwich of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Networks, and I am one of your hosts, Kyle. Joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who only makes his stained glass windows out of dice, Josh, how are you doing on this late, late evening? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I feel like that same alarm clock is going off again, and that same song is playing again, and I look out the window, <laughs> and it's still snowing, and I'm stuck waiting for this stupid groundhog to show his face. Yes. And I'm peanut butter. I'm peanut butter, by the way. You are creamy, peanut butter. butter. <laughs> <laughs> you are the nice, creamy peanut butter of the podcast. Yes. So this is attempt number two for us for the podcast, but we're this week, but you you all wonderful listeners are so dedicated. We said, you know what? We had some issues with the first go around. We're gonna do it again. So we're doing it recording pretty late for me and pretty late for you on on a work week. It's kind of like you know, being late on a school night, but we're gonna push through and try to make this product as good as I what I thought the first one was, and hopefully this one. That was so good. It was <laughs> so so anyway, we, we appreciate you all joining us. And if we're a day or so later than usual in posting, that is the reason why. So again, thanks for joining us this week. If you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, always feel free to hit us up at BoardWithVG on Twitter or check out the awesome stuff Josh posts over on Instagram with all the games he's playing, also at BoardWithVG. If you don't want to take us directly and you just want to jump in with the hashtag BoardWithVG, please go ahead and do that. We like to check that out see what you're all playing, and kind of make a really sweet community who likes playing games in all sorts of varieties. And if you have not cut on yet, obviously, board is spelled like a game board, B-O-A-R-D. You know, and what Josh seems to be a story for us, week one, we had some technical issues. Week two was pretty good. You know, spot here or there. We're on week 3.1 right now, so I'm calling it as 3.1. So... Why don't you go ahead and give us a brief recap of Sagrada, which you talked about week one, but nobody could really hear. So why don't you give us a brief recap on that game as maybe anything else you've been playing on the table this week. Okay, here we go again. Let's see. <laughs> for the third time. So it's for the third time, and I bet it's still as wonky as the first two times. <laughs> uh, all right, so Sagrada. Beautiful stained glass window building game. Uh Two to, two to four players? Yes, two to four players. Um, everyone gets a game board that is designed to look like a stained glass window. Um, you have a design throughout the whole board except for the bottom um, where you have a squared out grid that is blank upon opening. Uh, what you'll do is insert these game board cards uh, and think the code names... Um, What's what's the word when you're on codenames Kluger? I think that is correct, yeah. So think codenames Kluger uh, uh, board that you're looking at where it shows a grid, except this grid is showing you how you are going to build your stained glass window with colored dice. Uh, so on your board, you can have white spaces, which indicate you can put anything on them. You're going to have spaces that have a number on them, which means you can put, you have to put that specific number, but it can be any color. And then you will have colored squares, which means you have to put the specific color on there. 
you start from a corner of the board and you have to work from the first die you place outwards. You can't just place die wherever you would like on the board. And what you need to do is fill your stained glass window. You cannot put two numbers alike together, so unless it's diagonal. So you can't have a two and have a, another two horizontal or vertically from that number. Uh, same goes for color. You cannot have a red and then put horizontal, horizontally, ugh, horizontally or vertically a red. So it has to be diagonal or a different color. Um, that being said, if you put down a red two and you try to put a blue two above it, that is not going to work. Uh, as you progress through the game, there will be tools at your disposal, so to speak. There are tool cards, and those will cost gems, which you get based on the difficulty of the window you're trying to build. So if you choose the hardest difficulty at six gems, you will get six gems. You can then use your gems on these tool cards, and the tool cards will be anywhere from turn your die um, to the other side, or increase or decrease your die value by one. And there are, there are many other variations. And that will help you with your strategy because how it works is the starting player will take a set number of die out of a bag, roll those die, and that's your die pool. Think Seven Wonders card drawing, but your dice drawing. Um, drafting, sorry. Uh, then you also have a hidden victory uh, thing that you're going for, which is typically uh, the sum of all your blue, sum of all your yellow, depending on the card you get, dice on the board, uh, which really can wonk your strategy up a little bit if you keep trying to get those blue die to meet your, your secret goal. You may end up not having enough spaces to put down the dice you need because you put too many of the same color in one area or... You weren't paying attention to the numbers on them. That's where the game gets tricky because if you or your opponent or opponents notice an illegal move, no matter what at what point in the game that is noticed, those die can be multiple. Sometimes it's just one are removed from the game, and you cannot replace them. So, at the end of the game, after ten turns are taken, uh, you will lose a victory point for every blank space in your window. Um, which, you know, so this game is, it's fun. Uh, I think, I didn't say this before, but it is considered a family game, and I say absolutely play with your kids, but make sure you're all choosing the lowest difficulty uh, window setup. Uh, it's also great for a challenging uh, four-player adult game. All four of us, the first time we played with four people, we picked six difficulty windows. I think my wife picked the three, but uh, uh, most of us picked the six difficulty. And we played through that. It was great. I had a blast. Like I said before, um, it used to be hard to find. I did see some at my local Barnes & Noble. Uh, I think Kyle said he saw the same. Indeed. It's a great affordable price. And if you're like me, if you have a membership, which you should get if you don't, because I get 20% off coupons uh, multiple times a month, um, they just started sending out 15% off coupons. I got like three of them in my email yesterday. So take advantage of those. Go down to your Barnes & Noble, pick up Sagrada, and love it. If you don't, 
I'm not doing my Mass Effect guarantees anymore. So <laughs> yes, stuck with it. We will be talking about that Mass Effect guarantee <laughs> later on this episode. Oh, good. <laughs> um, that being said, uh, that's 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 pretty much it for Sagrada. Um, if you guys have questions, um, just tweet at me or even DM me if it's a long question. Um, I'm happy to talk about it. I really like the game a lot. It's going to find a lot of table time for us, so we're going to get that out uh, frequently, whether it's just me and the wife or introducing it to my brother and sister-in-law because we love to get them in on new, new easy-to-learn games like Ticket to Ride and stuff. Um, so it's easy to learn. Pick it up. Let us know. If you get it, let us know. Um, I know some people out there, we were talking on Twitter and some... Uh, you know, a couple people picked up some games last weekend that I'm looking forward to hearing about. So uh, share your stories with us. Absolutely. Um, and I think, and I, cause I was thinking about this while we were, while you were talking, sorry, I was, I was no, still okay. paying attention, but I believe <laughs> so we don't get a ton of tweets. I believe in code names, uh, it is a spy master. Okay. That makes sense. Codes. Yeah. Or giving the clues. I think it's a spy master. Spy I, master. I realized I'm really bad at remembering all the specific terminology game to game, but I believe it is a spy master in that one. Very good, very good. Okay, um, I'll talk real quick. Um, we didn't. We played Alhambra over the weekend. Uh, it's an older game. Uh, we'll probably maybe we'll cover that at another point. Um, but um, I did pick up Cold Express on my iPhone um, right after we had recorded last week's episode. Um, the Asmodee digital sale landed on um, iOS. So I think as of now, they're still on sale. Some awesome deals. I just happen to own most of the games on sale. <laughs> um, but I picked up Colt Express. I really enjoy it. I haven't played the physical board game. Um, just to give you a quick quick synopsis, um, and maybe I'll get into more detail because I plan on picking up the physical game. Maybe Kyle and I can both go into it because I know Kyle has it. I do. Um they do add a story mode to the game, which I think is cool. Um, it's comic book strip related, so a comic tells a story as you progress with these characters. But the, the basic premise of the game is um, it's a card programming game. I'm going to call it that. I don't know if that's necessary, necessarily a category. Um, you're on a train. Uh, I, I don't even maybe if I can describe the plot. Your goal is to get loot. Is that a good way to describe it? Yep. That's pretty okay. much what you're trying to do. Get loot. So trying to get loot and trying to get the most loot out of everyone playing uh, as a, in order to win. You're playing against each other and against a uh, a sheriff that is on the train who's trying to catch all of you as you are bandits, I'm assuming, or train robbers. And what you do on your turn is you have a hand of cards. The cards range from uh, move left or right through train cars, move up or down from the roof or down to the train car, punch, shoot, grab loot, and move the sheriff. And what you have to do is basically um, be a psychic. <laughs> you have to be able to figure out what your opponents are going to do. Um, on the first round, you play a card. Uh, on the second round, you may play two cards. They may be um, so everyone can see them, or they may be private. Uh, that's one of the fun elements where if you play cards in private, it's really tough for your opponents to kind of figure out what card to play next because they don't see uh, your move and they can't uh, play in ahead. Um, I'm saying um a lot, 
which means <laughs> I should have thought more about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were times in the game where uh, my first game, I kind of picked it up through the tutorial. It was pretty good. But I did find myself um, not thinking about the bigger picture and shooting at no one or punching at no one or reaching down to grab loot at nothing. Um, so there's a lot of strategy involved in the game, which I really like. I will play the app a lot more, and I'm looking forward to uh, learning more about it. I don't want to do too much before I play with people because I feel like that's almost like cheating, getting like <laughs> ahead of the game. It's like playing chess a thousand games and then try and play chess with someone for like the second time they've ever played. So I feel like it has that kind of aspect of once you get past that learning curve, you can you you can become significantly better at the game. Um, but it was $1.99 on iOS. I don't need to tell you if you have it, go go check it out. It's worth the $1.99. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I'm not going to take it more time. No, it is a great <laughs> game. And I think and it does have some, there's variable, variable player powers. So depending on which character you are, you can do different things. And, you know, the reason it's so hard is not only do you not know what other people do, but like if somebody punches you, it moves you over a train car. So now you're suddenly not where you expected to be when you had planned your actions for what to do. And it's a lot of fun. The physical version, uh, the setup, the first time you put the game together is a little um, ch- taxing because they're actual 3D train cars that you have to kind of build out of cardboard. Uh, so setting it up took a while, but it's a, it has a cool presence on the table. Uh, has a lot of random things that you have to build that don't matter, like some cactuses and some rocks that don't do anything. <laughs> they just add, you know, atmosphere to when you're playing the game. But maybe once you get the physical version, we'll do a deep dive and talk full talk about Cult Express. I have to get the expansion um, because I enjoy the game for sure. Nice. But the big game I'm going to talk about this week, or the game that's on my list is a game called Aquasphere, um, published by Tasty Minstrel Games. This is a game that is designed by Stefan Feld. And if you're familiar or play a lot of hobby board games, that's a name that's immediately familiar. Uh, if not, uh, Stefan Feld is kind of the master of a style of game that is lovingly referred to, well, lovingly by me referred to as a point salad game. And basically that means that anything you do in the game, you get points for that there's a ton of different ways and a ton of different things you can do, and all of them are going to get you points, and how you win the game is by having the most points at the end. Um, it's a strategy game with, for a Feld game, a premise that makes... It's not totally pasted on like most of his are, are uh, but basically you are a research scientist or a team of research scientists in an underwater facility trying to gather as much data as you can, and that's really what the game is all about. Uh, there are three separate boards for this game. So there's the research station, which is a modular board, which means just every time you put it together, it's going to be a little bit different. So there's research stations where most of the gameplay takes place. There's a headquarters, and then there is your private lab. Now, basically what you're doing, and I'm going to try to simplify this as much as I can, because teaching this game is quite complex, actually. But In the headquarters, you have a robot, basically, or one of your characters, uh, that they can only take... There's only certain paths you can take through the headquarters. As a result of taking those paths, they allow you to do certain actions in the research station. So if you want to maybe mine some crystals or study some octopods or expand your personal lab or get some extra worker bots you have to take the right path through the headquarters to get the proper 
um, actions in order to pull them off in the research station. And then the research station has six different pods in it. They all have the same actions in them. However, some of the pods are gonna be a little more lucrative um, in your ability to, when you do those actions, you might get more resources out of it. There might be a very specific lab expansion you want that's only available in one of the pods. And every time you set the game up, that is completely random. As well as between each round, the actions, location, and the headquarters that you're moving your person through change. So you have to, before each round starts, you really have to look at the headquarters, decide which actions you wanna take. And it might be a situation where the, you know, the two most important actions for you to take, you're only gonna get to take one of them that round. So you really have to figure out, okay, what's most important for me to take? What's gonna help me be as successful as I can in this game? And you know, how am I gonna spend my time and my resources best? Combining that with the fact that, you know, obviously you're playing against other people, you don't know what paths they're going to take. They might take a similar or the same path or take an action before you to take the resources you wanted from a specific research station. So it's a pretty complex and pretty heavy game, but really all you're doing is picking which action you want to do and then doing that action on the research station. You know, there is some um, area control in it that if you hold research stations, you get extra points at the end. Um, but basically, every time you take an action, you're going to be getting something that's going to be giving you points if you do it right, if you do it correctly um, at the end of the game. So a little bit of a heavier game. I think on Board Game Geek, this is close to a four out of five for their complexity rating. If that's something that's not familiar to you, basically, uh, they rate games from one to five, one being games that they call quote unquote lightest or those that are simplest to understand to five being games that are most more the most complicated to understand. Uh, Aquasphere is pushing a four. I think it's in like a, a three seven or a three eight. So it's definitely a more complicated game. If you have played other Euro style games, um, you know if you've played a, a Lords of Waterdeep or something like that, this might be a nice next step. It's not as complicated as a Feast for Odin or Caverna or anything like that. Uh, but there's definitely um, a lot of things to kind of figure out while you're playing this game. And the cool thing is, is since the variable setup, because of variable setup. Every time you play, it's going to be a little bit different. And from what I've played, it seems to be there are multiple paths to victory that are all legitimate. Um, it doesn't seem like there is one single best strategy in the handful of times I've played it at this point. Uh, there might be. I just haven't found it yet. So if you have enjoyed other Stefan Feld games, I would recommend it. Um, if you've never played a Feld game, I think it's a, an okay one to get in on. It's not his favorite of mine, uh, but that is Aquasphere from Tasty Minstrel. What do you recommend to start for the Feld games? Oh my gosh, I knew you were going to ask me that as soon as I said that. <laughs> um, you know, Stefan Feld for me, I, I enjoy him as a designer a lot. I, I enjoy most of the things he did. My favorite game from him is probably, man, probably still Trajan is my favorite. I think if you are going to get into one from him, I mean, I think. Bruges is probably a good starting point as far as complexity goes. That's probably the an easier Stefan Fell game. Um, and people tend to, I think it's a pretty highly rated as far as people really seem to like that one. Um, I would go with, I would probably say Bruges. I feel like this is about as complicated as like Bora Bora is. Okay. Um, so I don't know if you ever played Bora Bora, but I would put this in a uh, similar, similar weight category. But yeah, I think Bruges is probably off the top of my head, a really, really good place to start if you're looking to get into a Stefan Feld game. Okay, sounds good. I think they're doing um, Learn and Play for Trajan at 
packs and plugs. So yeah, it's really cool because it's a Moncala from all of your movements. So you have to like plan like super ahead of like, oh gosh, how am I gonna do this Moncala to like pull these out so I can do that action? So it's it's pretty complicated as far as you know. Not only are you just trying to play Moncala, but then every I think the eight colors or six colors that are in the game all do a different action. So nice. yeah, if you can have somebody teach it to you, way easier than learning by the rules. That's for sure. Very cool. Very cool. That's exciting to hear. Cool. Let's get right into the topic then. Moving moving right along. Now, I'll tell you what, before we even get into this, I was thinking about this all day. This was my job. I would be terrible at it because I was already like, I don't want to do this again. <laughs> really? You didn't want to do this again? Because <laughs> I was like, you already heard it. I won't be getting the, I you won't be getting you the same thing reactions. that you want. I, I, I almost did change. I almost changed the whole thing. <laughs> I almost changed the whole thing. Uh, all right. So we're going to talk a little bit about this. Um, reportedly, if you guys have, you guys have probably seen this. I don't think it's a secret anymore. Um, if not, um, Sony Pictures is currently talking um, to whoever they need to talk to about uh, adapting a, a Catan. Catan. I'm going to do this again. Let's just see. <laughs> I'm not going to think about it. Whatever I say, just. In Go your ahead. head, think, think SNES. <laughs> Don't All right, so uh, they're, they're opting. Uh, they're gonna, they're gonna make Settlers of Catan a game, a game, a movie. Sorry, uh, I'm gonna slow down, Josh. Breathe. Um, so, being that Kyle and I are uh, the board game and movie experts, sorry, Nathan, but you don't love board <laughs> games, so you we're gonna. We don't need to talk to you. <laughs> uh, and we have a podcast that we are talking on right now. We're going to go ahead and we're going to pitch you our Catan movie. I also thought about changing it to a Chris Catan biopic. And oh, that would be my good. joke. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. Okay. So here's my, here's my, here's my idea. <clears throat> Catan, the movie. We don't need to go by uh, Settlers of Catan. That can be the sequel or the prequel. Uh, directed by uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, who, if you're on your YouTubes or on your IMDb's, has a new trailer out starring my same star, Daniel Day-Lewis. Mute my phone. <laughs> that That is exactly like last night. <laughs> yeah, that's, it knows exactly what's going on. All right, so I'm picturing Daniel Day-Lewis. Here's here's what I didn't do last time. I want you guys to picture no country for old men. There will be blood, that kind of setting, even like a Westworld vibe, very uh, dry, desert, oasis-type place because we're going to be uh, in a seafaring town. So let's. here's my plot. Marlowe, played by Daniel Day-Lewis, is a farmer with a particular set of skills, swindling simple-minded people into unfair trades. In the midst of Marlowe's travels, he finds himself in the seafaring town of Catan. We can hash out how he gets here in more detail during the rewrite phase. At least that's what I've written down. Maybe we don't need to rewrite this. <laughs> I mean... They made Waterworld. Someone had to have said, we That's need true. to rewrite this. That's true. And it never happened. 
Well in town, with his supply not far behind him, that's how he's going to get his things. Uh, Marlo begins to talk with the simple people of Catan. Think deliverance people. I keep saying simple. I don't want to insult anybody. Think deliverance. <laughs> Hesitant to trade two of their sheep for one of his wood, these folks discover Marlo's special skill, pestering. Pestering to an insane level. Marla will dig in and set up shop, pestering every waking hour. Two sheep? How about a sheep and some clay? Eventually, these people will become the settlers of Catan. <laughs> so how are you going to incorporate the Monopoly <laughs> card? Yeah, I know. I didn't include Largest Army <laughs> either. <laughs> Or the spy, even though uh, I, I had I was wondering if you were going to incorporate the spy from yesterday. <laughs> I had 24 hours to think about it, incorporating the spy, and I did not. Um, or the so you know what? That's this is the this will be this is the prequel. There's no army. There's no money for a monopoly yet, so we don't have a monopoly yet. Maybe all that that's going to come in once we have to deal with all these people settling. And what their life becomes. That'll be the sequel. We're just looking at drinking milkshakes and trading sheep for wood. That's what we're doing. Who doesn't like trading some sheep for wood? That is for sure. <laughs> well, sir. So yeah, enlighten us on your movie. So I'm gonna I'm gonna change this up for you a little bit, just so that Ooh. it's not I'm not changing any of the director or anything like that but i'll change the intro scene for you to try to, to give you something new to picture in your mind okay so you, you've seen the movie gladiator right I, the one with russell crowe yes yeah. okay you know how there's the scene where he's walking through the field and he's kind of like running his hand through the wheat yeah right right yeah. as he's like discovering his dead wife and child yep exactly so picture that scene okay. but without the dead wife and child just a picture of somebody with like the sun kind of at that angle, walking through a field of wheat, running their hand. And they're kind of just, you know, basking in everything that is their glory and, and everything that it, that is good to them. And, you know, they're kind of letting that sun radiate down on them and, and they're really taking it all in. And as the camera pans around, you realize that this isn't a person who is in, um, they're not happy right now. They're not in ecstasy. They're actually extremely fearful because that light is not the sun, but it is actually their home burning because, and they're, and they're fleeing this persecution. So they are running as fast as they can out of this field and, and into ships and they're, and they're sailing off from their home, bringing their precious wheat with them. And after, what seems like months of travel, they come upon a small, what they perceive to be small, but has to be large, otherwise the story wouldn't work, island that they land upon. And they notice, you know, just planes for as far as the eye can see. And they say, you know what? This seems like a good place to start. And they walk over and start planting their wheat on this beautiful new island, the island of Catan. That's how the movie starts. And in my movie, there are four factions. There is the faction I just talked about, those who are fleeing persecution. Uh, they're led by Alicia Vikander in whatever the name of her person is going to be. I don't know yet. 
but she is the leader of this group of folks who are escaping persecution and come upon the island of Catan. And look, I just said it two different ways. Uh, who have come upon the island of Catan, looking to start a new life, looking to be able to live life in the way that they feel is appropriate and, and good. There's also another a group of folks who get shipwrecked on the island. Um, those folks are led by Zoe Saldana, and they end up they're fisher people. But when they shipwreck, they shipwreck on a side of the island that is heavily forested. So they start um, cutting down trees and they start rebuilding a kind of small fishing village for themselves. And life is so great there that they decide, well, I'm not going to go home. The fishing is great here. We have all the wood we need. We're going to stay and make this kind of our fishing port of call. Then, though, there's the people who have always lived there. You know, this island is not uninhabited, even though they haven't come upon anyone yet. Um, and the fo the person who's in charge or, or oversees those folks is an actor whose name I can never say right, so I apologize. This is not the first name I'm going to butcher when I do this. Um, but Chiwelta Ojafor is going to be overseeing his group, and they're, they're the sheep herders. They're the folks who, for generations, their family have, you know, overseen sheep herds, and their people have um, used the sheep to ensure their livelihood for generations, and, and they have always lived on this land. And finally, what movie could be complete without, you know, the people who aren't trying to escape persecution or didn't happen to accidentally show up here because of bad circumstances, or they didn't always live here. You know what? They just want to come and take some stuff. So you have those coming to conquer, those looking for expansion and imperialism. Uh, they are led by the incredible Michael C. Hall, because if you have ever seen him on Dexter, he is excellent at being, hey, I'm a really nice guy. I'm just trying to help out, but now I'm going to go murder this person and no one's going to know, which seems like a really good quality to have if you are going to try to you know, swindle and take over this island from all these people who are there. Um, so that's kind of the premise. It's these four groups of people whose lives become conflicted uh, you know, while all trying to live on this island that some have discovered, some have already lived at, and that's kind of my premise. Going for a grittier look on Catan, I don't want it to be a, a super, I don't want it to be the Emoji movie again, you know, though they did have yeah. Patrick Stewart, that was great. <laughs> um, so for the director, being an American, you know, I see his name and I look at it and I say, Dennis Villanueva, that's not right. That's not how you say his name. Uh, but if I said it how I think it's pronounced, I don't think anybody who know who I'm talking about. Uh, but I believe his name is pronounced Denis Villeneuve. Uh, he has directed three of my favorite movies of the last three years in Sicario, Arrival, and Blade Runner 2049. So he is, I think, the perfect person to bring Catan to life on the screen. And even though I think he's very talented with how he shoots movies, especially Sicario, I thought was an incredible looking movie. I want to bring in the cinematographer who has done some really excellent work, uh, and that's um, Emmanuel Lubetsky, who did Gravity, Birdman, The Revenant, and the movie that more people need to watch, Children of Men. So that is my... Yeah, Children of Men is a phenomenal movie. We should just do a podcast about that movie sometime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so that is my, <laughs> my script, or it's not my script. That is what I would propose to Sony for Catan, if they want me to write a script, they know where to find me. Actually, they probably have no idea and don't care at all. But if they did, that's my my ideas for for Catan. I think they could, you know, make a pretty sweet movie out of it. Personally, if they wanted to. Yeah. Do you hey, think that in a in an environment full of people's names that are impossible to pronounce, you pick 
the <laughs> you pick the director and producer and cinematographer's names to go right with that. Well, you know, trying to try to I what I I literally was like, okay, what movies have I really dug lately? And then went back to double check to make sure I was remembering everyone. And I was like, man, why why couldn't it have been Steven Spielberg? Like, why <laughs> though I will say the documentary Spielberg on HBO, excellent if you haven't seen it. I highly recommend it. I gotta watch that. it. Yeah, it's very it's long, it's like two and a half hours, but it's really good. Yep. So now, do you think if this all works out and they make the Catan movie, mm. it, it, what percent chance do you think there is that this movie's decent? Uh, I don't know. It's so tough to say because it really depends on the direction they go. You don't. I don't think Sony Pictures is is a company that you necessarily see pushing garbage movies out. So um, I feel like they would give it. Uh, a fair shake. It's not a superhero movie. And that's right. where my problem with Sunny Pictures is. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe there's other stuff, but the problem is the audience. So they can't, they can't market it as a board game movie. Right. They yeah. They shouldn't need, you know, there should be no references. We can all know as board gamers what it is, but there should be no um, marketing towards it that way. So what I hear you saying is you are super, super stoked about Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Uh, you know, no, I'm not. Good call. <laughs> That's just a cash grab. You're right. So Yeah, and it's a bummer. But Hey, it could be good. It's got The Rock, right? I mean, all of The Rock's movies are good, right? I mean, Baywatch, no, I'm sure, I've, was spectacular. I've seen a lot of bad <laughs> movies that The Rock has been in. So that doesn't I, help at all. I agree, but he's still very charismatic, even when the movie isn't very good. <laughs> so, yes. All right. Well, I think that's probably about it for that. Do you have any other thoughts about Catan at all? No, except I need to play it more. Do that's you it. though? I do really you really need it. to play it I more? I really love it. I really, really do. It's one of my favorite games, and I don't have I don't have any expansions. I got the I have the five to six player expansion. Mm-hmm. We bought the um, the blue plastic um, uh, divider thing. I don't know if you've seen them before, but it connects together and it has inserts, so you put all the tiles in it, so they don't move around. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. I got that. I got that for Christmas one year, so we do that. One when we used to play, we used to take uh, a glass the glass door off of our entertainment center, mm-hmm. and we would put the um, point values on the board and then put the glass over the not the point values the letters so we put the glass right. over them so they wouldn't so we'd be just be moving on top of them because nice. that's really my like pet peeve with that game is upside down numbers or let, yeah. sorry, letters and all that kind of stuff yeah but, uh we have seafarers and seafarers is pretty good it definitely adds a, an interesting mix to the game um by having to have like boats then and then there's parts that like on the board that you don't know what's there and you don't always know like what resources are where so that's a cool uh, addition to it. I'm really bad that when I play Catan, there's like two strategies I do, and I do one of those two every single time. Um, and then Traders and Barbarians, I have played, but I don't own. So, but uh, again, also a nice little addition to the game. But, you know, Catan with the right people. And I think that's my problem with the game. You have to be playing with the right people. Yeah, I'm afraid to, uh, with Catan and Carcassonne, I, I, don't, I don't mess with the expansions because of how much I like the core game. Mm. And I've played so many games that have changed for the worse for me with the expansions, especially 
between Catan and Carcassonne, there's probably 30 expansions. Oh man, like, Carcassonne has so many. So I, I don't, I don't really want to mess with that. I think the only game that I have right now that I want an expansion for is Dominion, mm. and and everything else. I think I'm good where I'm at, with the exception of like Legendary. I always keeps releasing these. Like I just got the Legendary X Men, um, which is supposed to be fantastic, but we just you know it takes it takes forty minutes to set up Legendary. Yeah, I know. I love I, Legendary other I, than I setting it up. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't deal with that. It's too much. Uh, All right. Anyways, we could talk. We could talk analog for the whole show, but we shouldn't, because otherwise we would just be bored with board games, <laughs> or they would be bored with board games. <laughs> Maybe that's the better title. You are bored with board games, so let's get into some video games. Uh, why don't I think I started last week? So why don't uh, you uh, enlighten us on what you've been playing? So. And I, unless you're going to change, I know we're talking about the same game this we week. We are. That's right. So that's exciting. So hopefully, let's just do a little bit of a back and forth. I just don't want to talk about this game too I'm much. I'm going to avoid the awkwardness spiral I went into yesterday and <laughs> not even talk about any of the things I talking about. about the game. It was great. <laughs> uh, so the game that we were referring to and talking around so much uh, is Fire Emblem Warriors. We're both playing it on Switch. Yes. Uh, I have not played any since yesterday. Um, so I'm still about, I'm about three quarters of the way through the story. I'm on chapter 15 or 16. Uh, there's about 20 chapters in the story. If you're not familiar with it, it's a Musou-style game, so similar to the Dynasty Warriors, Hyrule Warriors style of you versus a whole ton of folks on screen. And I don't want it's not super button-mashy, but it's pretty button-mashy of, like, just, you know, when a map is done, it's like, hey, you have t- KO'd 2,000 people. You're like, all right, I did, I did good work that map. Uh, so it's from Koei Tecmo. Um, and it's pretty good. I think the graphics on the Switch, I've only played it handheld. How have you been playing it? I've uh, played both so far. Um, I played handheld and on the TV. I started on the TV. Um, I think it's significantly better on the TV, mm-hmm. uh, especially handling enemies. Uh, it seems like it's more fluid. I had a little, I had a couple of hiccups on the handheld, but nothing... <laughs> Nothing abnormal. Um, that being that being said, if people aren't really familiar, I mean, it's a Dynasty Warriors game themed. However, <clears throat> if people played like the Gundam Dynasty Warriors, mm-hmm. those are kind of trash compared to what they're doing now. Like they're they're doing they're doing a lot more for these games. Like the Gundam one was really a really just a skin, and it was poorly made just for like a cash grab these games mm-hmm. are very well made I, I, when i say these games i mean hyrule warriors and in this game I, I what i would say is when you were talking about that it made me think of how much attention i have to pay to the map on this one um because if you don't you start losing allies um and they do give you that that ability which is famous in Fire Emblem games where you can change, where you kind of customize your difficulty when you start. So you can choose that your allies don't come back after they are mm-hmm. defeated in battle. I obviously didn't choose that. I did not choose that either. I kind of wish also, I would have because I want yeah. more of them to die. <laughs> <laughs> but it also lets you pick um, for a deeper story or more action right off the top, which I like that too. That gives people... Like right now, there's so many games coming out in two days Yeah. that I kind of want to play this game as much as I can and enjoy it. So I went right for more action, you know. And then 
I know once we once the game is finished, I think you unlock history mode, or is that like right away? It's about I think it's about halfway through is when history mode becomes available. Maybe not even quite halfway, but then you'll I think only one history mode map is available right away, and then you unlock more maps the more okay. you play. All right, and that's really I think where I'll spend the like I think Donnie uh, at PSVG finished uh, the game. I think he said in eighteen hours. Yep, story mode, right. story mode, and he probably cruised right through it. It's probably no replays, I but he didn't die at all, um, which is good. I haven't died yet, but I've only, I haven't played as much as you have. You must be right near the end then, right? Yeah, I'm pretty close. Like I said, I think I have four chapters or so left. I was actually going to finish it today, and I just didn't, or try to finish it today, and I just didn't quite get around to it. I'm enjoying the process of playing it. I think the story. Uh, I'm not super. Fr- I'm like I know of Fire Emblem, but it's not a series I've really ever played. I had a 3DS and stuff, but I just didn't, I never was into it that much. I played my Vita far, far more, and now the Switch is the Vita that I always wished the Vita had been. So I'm playing my Switch way more, which is why I think I had it docked when I first got it for probably a week, and I, other than putting it in there to charge, I don't think I've played anything on the television probably since the first week. Everything else has been handheld. Yeah, Uh, that's just the way I prefer to play it. it. You know, I... I play my Switch if, like, the wife is watching something on our big television or if I have, you know, 10 minutes between things that I'm just going to pick up and play my Switch quick. If I'm sitting down to dig into something, I'm typically still playing on my PS4. We'll see if that's true when Mario's out in a couple days. But, yeah, I, the story I don't think is super great. I think the it very much is like, hey, you know, basically long and short of it is characters get ripped into this dimension because of some baddies that are here and... You know, you play one of two twins, and then you're fighting to go save your kingdom, and you run into all these other characters from the Fire Emblem universe that got pulled in here. The story, almost without fail, is, hey, we met you. We don't know if we're going to trust you, so we're going to fight. And then we defeat you, so now you trust us. But then the other people who came with you weren't there, and then they think we captured you, so now we're going to fight them. And then they're like, oh, we're okay. And now we're just going to do that with another group of people and then another group of people and then another group of people. Yeah. So you're yeah. Li- I feel like we're basically doing the same thing over and over, which I guess is what you do in these games. But the action, though, is really good. Uh, I think between the action, though, of optimizing characters and unlocking crests and giving them their weapons is a little more fiddly than I would like it to be. I, I appreciate the op- there's an ability to optimize like each character. I wish there was an ability for me just to optimize everyone with one time. button. Yeah. 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 Um, that would be super nice because so far in my playthrough, like I've unlocked crests and done this stuff, but I don't know. I, I don't feel like it's changed much. Maybe it has, and that's why I'm not, it doesn't seem like it has because the difficulty is seeming pretty similar from the start of the game to now. So maybe things are getting, I'm getting quote unquote better, but the enemies are harder. So it's all staying kind of the same. Yeah. Um, I've never died, but I have failed because I didn't get, I couldn't figure out how to unlock. There was this yeah. one specific character I had to kill to unlock this thing. And I was looking everywhere for them and I couldn't find them. And then a person I was supposed to protect died. Uh, but that only happened once. So I'm liking it. I, I'm definitely going to finish it. I will play the history mode here and there. Um, I just really want to finish it before Mario gets here because I don't know how much I'll be playing it once Mario is here. Yeah, I hear you. I, I enjoy it. I, I did not like the beginning at all. They did a terrible job at setting up the story because they just they throw you right in with these characters. They don't even give you an introduction. And it's kind of like, I don't know, was it was it 
the story at the end that you're playing the boss fight or something or was because then all yeah, of a sudden they jump you into a prologue so like you start off with this guy who's i don't remember as a cromers or Ra or someone it wasn't the main character it was one of the fire emblem named characters right i think and then yeah. you do this five minute mission and then they cut away and now you're in a different kingdom and you're these two kids the brother and sister they did it i don't know they didn't do a very good job at at setting that story up so i think it was kind of doomed to fail from the start right and then i don't like how i f i feel forced to switch between characters in battle mm. when they give you multiple ones and i don't like that i want to have the option to do that but i don't like how they're like uh you know uh, marth's available switch to marth like no right. i'm busy <laughs> what I'm doing right now, and then if you don't switch, you're punished because that person falls in battle. Yeah, I don't then, switch. Uh, I don't switch very often. I, my like the levels of my characters are drastically far apart, <laughs> like super, super far apart. And I think I saw on Donnie's screenshot, he, he's the same way. Like yeah. I switch if it's like, oh, I have to, or this person's gonna die. Like I will switch, clean up what I need to, and then immediately switch back to the person I, I want to play. So. I switch when I have to, but I haven't switched that much. But I also am constantly, I feel like, managing on the mini-map, like sending this person here and this person here and this person to guard this person yeah. and doing yeah. pair-ups with everyone and, and trying to make sure that, you know, the main characters who I need to sit, want to keep alive have a support with them and all that other stuff. So yeah. it's far deeper than I thought it would be. I thought I was going to be going in and stabbing a whole bunch of things. And I do yeah. that, but I also manage a lot of things on a little map. They do a good job of giving you options. It reminds me of uh, there was it wasn't just Dynasty Warriors. There was a Dynasty Warriors Empires game mm -hmm. where it was more tactical, where you're taking over territories. I yep. think it has a good mix between the two of them. Absolutely, so they did a good job. I'm enjoying it, and uh, I'm excited to play some more of it. But sorry, Assassin's Creed's Friday, so uh, <laughs> see you never. <laughs> hippos, we get to play a game with hippos. Best Friday ever. <laughs> Stranger Things 2, Assassin's Creed, yes. Wolfenstein, yep. Mario. What a Friday it's going to be. And then I have to practice the ACT on Saturday morning. What a oh, I know. <laughs> and we're supposed to get snow here on Saturday. What's up with no, that? Uh, yeah, are we are. yeah, we're oh supposed to get God. snow. Yeah, so, hey, what are you going to do? It's life. All right. Well, but overall, you'd recommend it for people? Thumbs up. Thumbs up right now. Definitely worth it, for sure. Agreed. All right. So for... Transition here for video game topic of the show. Um, the MPT sales charts for September came out. And while Destiny 2 being the big seller is not surprising, I wanted to, we want to take a couple minutes here to talk about the top 10 selling games of 2017 so far and kind of our relationship or lack thereof maybe with them. So if you're not aware, here are the top 10 selling games in the United States. Well, it might be North America, not just the US. It might be North America for 2017. Uh, they are number one, Destiny 2, and yes, that is for the entire year. In one month, Destiny 2 became the best-selling game. Uh, number two is Ghost Recon Wildlands. Number three is NBA 2K18. Number four is Madden NFL 18. Five is Breath of the Wild. Six is Grand Theft Auto V, you know, that five-year-old game or whatever it is at this point. Uh, seven is For Honor. Eight is Horizon Zero Dawn. Nine is Injustice 2. And ten is Josh's game of the year, guaranteed, <laughs> Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah. yeah. So, sir, 
<laughs> Obviously, we've both played a lot of Destiny 2. Yes. Played a lot of Destiny 2 together, so I don't think we need to talk about that racehorse anymore right now. But uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands, I played it in beta form with you and Donnie mm-hmm. for a few hours, but I never bought it. What is your story with Ghost Recon Wildlands? All right, so this is the part where everything went downhill. Don't jinx it. Just keep talking. So if anything happens and all you guys hear is Kyle for the rest of the episode, it's because we're not doing this a third time. <laughs> so you don't hear me for the rest of the show. And maybe you, some of you are wishing that you don't. But that's what happens. So Ghost Recon Wildlands. I have it for the Xbox now. I, I upgraded to the Xbox One S uh, a few months ago maybe longer, and it came with Ghost Recon, which is a big plus for me because I really enjoy the time I spent with Kyle and Donnie. The problem is I spent the time with Kyle and Donnie, and this is a game in my mind. That sounded bad when I said it, but I meant <laughs> it as a good thing. Uh, the problem is this is a game kind of like The Division where I feel like it's best played with other people. That being said, I played The Division solo the whole game. I completed the whole campaign solo and i loved it but it's because i never played with anybody else so i feel like with wildlands i did go back in solo i played a little bit i enjoyed it i really like the gameplay style i like games the third person style like spec ops uh uh way back to siphon filter yeah you know games like games like that i really like games like that so it reminds me of that and it's 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 what I like about Grand Theft Auto and what I and gets rid of what I hate about Grand Theft Auto because it's an open world game, but this game is linear. It tells you where you can pick where you want to go. It tells you where to go, and you choose how to get there. You can follow their GPS, or you can jump in a helicopter and be terrible at flying it and fly into a mountain. <laughs> Uh, or you can get in a Jeep and drive it off a mountain because you didn't know that there was an edge. <laughs> like, this game is great. I really enjoy it. And I really. Xbox Bros were better at playing games uh, online as my PS4 uh, sack boys are because <laughs> uh, I'm definitely getting a lot more playtime with the PS4 guys um, than I am with the Xbox guys. So, if you had to make your top five games of the year right now, would Ghost Recon Wildlands be on it? If I played it more, I guarantee you it would. But just because of the time I put into it, I I can't, I can't put it in top five. Okay. So, number three then on the list, NBA Two K eighteen. Have you purchased? No, no, uh, not interested. Nope, me either. Number four, <laughs> Bad NFL eighteen. Have you played or purchased? I have it because the second Xbox One S we got <laughs> uh, was the was the uh, Madden 18 bundle. Okay. Uh, which, uh, funny story, that Xbox One S was broken. Uh, <laughs> but I did. I already. I already uh, downloaded Madden, so I returned it, and they didn't have any more Madden consoles. So I got the Hot Wheels bundle for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then you still had Madden. Okay. Yep, so I have Madden. I just haven't I haven't played it. It's installed. Okay. <laughs> if you hadn't gotten it with the console, would you have purchased it? No, I probably not. I bought Madden 17 to play with all the guys. Um, I have the 10-hour trial in EA Access. Yeah. Um, so I would have tried that. Um, Madden for me is a game that is the same every year. 
uh, for the most part. I know. So, I know. Like Mo, Coach Mo, Coach sorry, Mo. Mo. Didn't, didn't. I don't mean anything to Mo. Mo loves it. I love it. Uh, I do want to play the long shot mode. So mm -hmm. um, that will happen probably uh, on Christmas break or something. I'll, I'll get into it. Gotcha. Number five on the list, one of those console, well, kind of console exclusive for the day come on a Wii U. Uh, but I don't think that really counts for most people. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, I have this one. I have probably played five hours of Breath of the Wild. Ooh, me, too. me too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, this is where I already know I can probably pretty much predict that PSVG's game of the year will be Breath of the Wild. It probably, no, I can tell you for sure it won't make my top five. I do want to put more time into it. It just... I think it's a victim of its own hype because I didn't have it day one. I got my switch a couple months later yeah. and I started playing and I was like, I, I, I don't see what's so cool about this. Now <laughs> I recognize it does some cool things. Just it, it doesn't like when I boot up my switch, I would rather play golf story, graceful yeah. explosion machine and fire emblem warriors before I would boot up Zelda. Not to mention Mario Kart and probably Splatoon 2. Right. <laughs> so that's my thoughts. I know, like, Donnie's probably rolling over in his... He's going to get yeah, fired tomorrow. Beth, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting fired. Yeah. Well, Kevin's not as high on it as everyone else is, but I'm probably getting fired. Yeah. But what are your thoughts on Breath of the Wild? Yeah, so uh, I'm not... Uh, I share some of your thoughts. So Breath of the Wild is my Metal Gear Solid 5. And, and I'll explain it because... Metal Gear Solid came out the same day as um, Assassin's Creed Unity and a bunch of other games. Mm -hmm. In fact, there was a Target buy two, get one free sale. I got three games, and one of them, not one of them was Metal Gear. That's how many games came out that week that I wanted before Metal Gear. But I was a huge Metal Gear fan, so finally it hit PlayStation Plus. Yes, it so did. now I have it, and now I can play it, and I'm very excited to play it. And that's how I feel about Breath of the Wild, except I had a day one. I got my Switch. Well, not day one. I got it like the week later, a week later. Um, I was super excited to play it. But Horizon, Zero Dawn. And I felt like everything I wanted out of Zelda, I was already getting from Horizon Zero Dawn. And then I played Zelda, and I had... Come, I haven't even said this out loud to anyone. <laughs> I think I have come to the realization that I'm just not as big of a Zelda fan as I thought I was. That's okay. It's like going out to eat and you order, you, when they say your eyes are bigger than your head. Or your, your eyes are bigger thing. than your stomach, yeah. I feel like that with Zelda. I, I love my, I have Zelda nostalgia. I love Zelda. Uh, I, I adore Zelda 2 Link's uh, Awakening and I love a link to the past, but I was getting very frustrated playing Zelda, climbing this thing five times just to fall through a little tiny crack to my death, uh, doing all these things that I didn't necessarily know or care why I was doing them. So I get, I get why everyone loves it. I really do. It's a beautiful game. Mm -hmm. Dirt direction on it. Phenomenal. I don't love the controls. I really don't. I don't love them. 
Uh, I know that Donnie's going to say, oh, well, I don't have a pro controller. I get it, but I, I can't spend 80 or $90, whatever it is, on a pro controller. That's crazy to me. And I'm, yeah. I already hate paying $60 on an Xbox or a PlayStation controller. I hate it. Too much. Yeah. I need a $30 controller, people. Come on. Anyways, uh, so that's my thoughts. I mean, I'll play it. It's not in my top five of the year because I've only put five to ten hours into it. Right. I, I really do want to put more time into it because I think maybe I'm I'm being unfair to it. But I, I think I'm actually in a similar boat to you. If I have Zelda Nostalgia, Link to the Past is still one of my favorite games. Yeah. And every time I play a Zelda game, I want Link to the Past too. Yeah, you know, like and that's just not what the way. and that's just not what this is. And that's fine if it's going a different direction. It might just not be a direction I'm willing to go with it. So yeah. I'm with you. Uh six Grand Theft Auto five. Have you played Grand Theft Auto Five? I ha- I have um <laughs> I want to say this real quick though. I, we I got my we got my dad an Xbox uh-huh. um, for their living room because they have all the multimedia devices and stuff, and it came with Grand Theft Auto Five. Okay. And he called me down one day, and I thought something happened. He yeah. called me, and I, and I I get there, and he's like, "I need to know how to shoot these guys. What am I doing?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> what's happening right now? This shouldn't be." Um, and he kind of, he kind of encapsulated my feeling about Grand Theft Auto in this one sentence. I thought I could just drive around and run people over. That's what he said. And I said, you used to be able to do that, but now they're forcing the story on you. Um, I, I loved games like Vice City and San Andreas. Mm-hmm. I lo- I really did, but I think I was, I think I was just a different gamer then. Right. Um, for me, Grand Theft Auto, I get why people love it. And they keep adding stuff to it, which I think is awesome. Yeah. If they're supporting their game. I don't have the time to put into it, and I need it to be more linear to enjoy it. Yeah, I hear you. I played this on 360. <laughs> uh, and I played the online, like the month it released when it was totally broken and janky, and you yeah. could like barely get into games. And then I haven't touched it since then. So. And I didn't even finish the story. I got way into doing like yoga and golf. <laughs> I just kept doing that. So that is what I spent most of my time doing in Grand Theft Auto Five. I, I understand why people like it. It's just never been a a series that was a huge deal for me. But at the time, I picked it up because I felt I had to play it to be able to be part of the conversation. Yeah, but I'm sure. just not. But I again, similar to Zelda, like maybe not just a game for me, but I get why other people like it uh seven for honor Hmm. i played the beta and i totally sucked so i never (laughs) bought the game (laughs) literally my story with it with it for honor i played the beta i was like whoo this seems cool i'm really bad at this there's a lot of games coming out at the beginning of the year i'm gonna go back and play i mean this would have been just before horizon so i probably was playing yakuza zero at that point uh and gravity rush 2 so i i was like i'm good i don't need i don't need for honor (laughs) how about you Oh, sorry. Oh, that one thirty a.m. yawn. Uh, <laughs> I I played the beta and I loved it. Um, I didn't buy it because of all the games that were out when it came out, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't buy it because I didn't know enough people buying it. And it was it's it's been on sale like a bunch in the past month or so, like half off, like thirty bucks. And I keep I want to buy it so bad. I really enjoyed it. It's it's what I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for a Bushido blade like spiritual successor and i really feel like it's it's it nailed down that 
that same feel of if if you never played Bushido Blade, it's it was like a a samurai fighting game, except you don't move very fast, and it's all based on the stances in which you were, and then sometimes you can get up on a cliff and get like height on the <laughs> other person. Yep. Uh, but this is that's what this game felt like. I really felt um, like I needed to. You needed to watch what the person you were fighting was doing. And you could you could get through a wave of computer bad guys, and then you could you might not see this a human player in the middle, and then all of a sudden it's real, like you're playing someone else in like this they, PvP match. And then they uh, knock you off a cliff, and then you're sad, yeah. and then you can respawn and try again. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I, I really wish I played more of it. Um, this is another game kind of like Wildlands. I feel like uh I think feel like Ubisoft's killing it this year, and I feel like if I played it more, it would be in my top five games. I, I feel like, but I can't, I can't do it now, unfortunately. No, I hear you. All right, Maybe number Black eight. Friday. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, number eight, Horizon <laughs> Zero Dawn. Uh, I really like this game. I know you really like this game. <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> do you need to say anything else about Horizon other than we both think it's great? That's no, my. It's it's my my favorite game I've ever ever played in my in my life. Yes, and I and I know you are higher on it than even I am because I like it. It's probably my game of the year, but it's not my favorite game I've ever played. But I am really thrilled that you enjoy it as much as you do. Are you playing uh, the Frozen Wilds when it comes out on the seventh? No, because I'm going to take my time with it. Um, I, I want to give it its fair because of because of how much I like the game. I want to give it its fair share of my time. Gotcha. And, and right now I'm trying to juggle baby, being a dad, being a husband, being a full-time worker, and playing all these games and board games. So, like, I think I'm going to take a three-day weekend in January or February. Okay. Where the weather kind of suits the game, and I'll probably I'll probably just sit down and, and get right into it. Awesome. Yeah, whatever – Assassin's Creed, Mario, whatever is taking a backseat for me as soon as that comes out. And I will play that until I am done with it. And then I will go back to those games. So I'm stoked about it. Uh, number nine, Injustice 2. I know we've yes. both played this one as well. Oh, yeah. What do you, what do you think? You, you love it? Would this be took, in your top five games of the year? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I took a break. I'm playing the mobile app, so I kind of get my fix. But um, mm -hmm. I took a break because I kind of did... Almost everything. I got my characters that I want, that I like up mm -hmm. to level twenty, and all the gear. Um, I didn't, so I didn't play through Fighter Pack One, mm -hmm. and I haven't played through Fighter Pack Two. I think I'm gonna jump in um, once Fighter Pack Three is fully out and released. Um, we're gonna do a thing where my buddies are gonna come over and we're just gonna make a day of it, gotcha. and, then, uh, and then I'll then I'll probably continuously play it again. Um, but I, I, with fighting games, I need to take a little bit of a hiatus. Um, I don't feel like I, I don't get the same satisfaction out of them um, nope. as I do pretty much every other game. I hear you. I also, <clears throat> I think I played pretty regularly up through about when Sub-Zero was released and I really yeah. haven't touched it much since then, but this is a game that, uh, when I look at winter break, uh, this is a game I could see myself, it's actually still installed on my PS4 even like that's how... That for me is always my shows my intention of playing a game. Like as soon yeah. as I'm like, Meh, I delete it, but it's still installed. So uh, I really like it. I think they did a good job. I think the numbers of types of loot, uh, not I shouldn't even say loot currencies that there are, is a little annoying. 
Um, but I think it's very cool about how they have like the daily events and the weekly challenges and, and there's all the clan stuff you can do. Like I think all of that stuff is really well implemented. Um, and the gear stuff is fun. Like that's a, a fun, cool thing. It gets a little uh, overbearing if you haven't like, you know, you pop all these loot boxes and you're like, man, I yeah. have like new gear for like 20 characters that I have to go look at. Are these stupid things going to flash yeah. at me all the time? You know, and my OCD makes me click on them. Because exactly. I can't... Every single piece. But uh, yeah. I think I it is a cool... new gear weekly, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Every week there's new gear that wasn't in the game when it came out. So there's always new stuff to unlock. So I like that. I think yeah, that's they're really doing... cool. Yeah, they're doing a great job with that one. So then finally, number 10, Mass Effect Andromeda. Josh's guaranteed game of the year for 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you played I it. I still stand by it because <laughs> I haven't finished, I haven't finished, you haven't it, finished so it yet. I, I can't yeah. definitively say that it isn't the best game I've ever played. So <laughs> keep, go, keep going with that. That's fine. You know what? I'm just going to I'm just gonna sit back and I'm going to wait for that patch, that patch to come out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've probably put about 10 hours into it. I got to the point where I, I had like the ship on my own and I could like go out and kind of the game was opening up and then something else came out. I don't remember what it was. It might have even a been a good game. Well, something came out. <laughs> a good game. Actually, I think it was, I got it late and it might have actually been Next Machina that came out that pulled me away from it. Um, but I, I didn't think it was as bad as people had said it was. I was starting to get into it. I still intend to go back and finish it. It's not on my PS4 anymore, but I do <laughs> want to finish that game. Um, there's a special soft place in my heart for Mass Effect, so maybe giving it too much of a um, of a of a leeway. But I I really I think the reason I really did not enjoy that first planet. It was awful. I, yeah, it was I, so I, bad. I did not enjoy that first planet, um, and that kind of was a turnoff right away. But I started to like where it was going, and then yeah. I got pulled away by other things. So I do want to go back and see where that goes um, and kind of flesh out those stories more and, and learn more about those characters. Um, but it's not super high on the priority list for me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's instead of game of the year, it's like bummer of the year. Like, I was so, I have my, I got my, Andromeda loot crate, my big giant like hundred dollar like Andromeda loot crate. I got all this Andromeda gear. I had pre-ordered the McFarlane Andromeda Pathfinder figure wow. to set up next to my TV, which I canceled the pre-order on. Uh, <laughs> I was so excited. I was I was pumped. I I mean Mass Effect is is trilogy best trilogy of all time uh, for me. And that's twice I've used all time stuff, but I can't get enough of that story. So I, I was so excited to see what was coming, and and I think you're right. I think that the hype train kind of, kind of, you know, kind of like gave everyone the wrong sense of what was coming, and 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 all these things were ha- all these bad things were happening right in front of our eyes, and mm-hmm. no one was paying attention because they were just like it's they don't want either we didn't want to see it or we just assumed it was just a hiccup. Or that it was something that happens all the time. So, like, obviously, not everyone felt that way. Lots of people were predicting how yeah. bad it was going to be. But in um, bad is relatively speaking bad right. compared to what it should have been. Yeah, I mean, when you when you're trying to live up to those first three games, it's very very hard to do that. But it, it, if you compare it to most other games, it is a good game still. 
It's, it's just, the Phantom Menace. <laughs> well, I don't know if we go that far, but... Without Jar Jar. <laughs> okay, then maybe. It's the Phantom um, Menace without Jar Jar. It's so. Attack of the Clones. It's it's the prequels. It's just not well... The idea that they promised us was that, you know was not what we got, and that necessarily wasn't in their hands. Right. But that's not what we got. And the promise of Andromeda was this next level of Mass Effect. Mm -hmm. And I think in many ways, Andromeda is less than content-wise than Mass Effect 3. Yeah, I think the scope of the game, we're supposed to get bigger and better. We We got Mass Effect 2 character animations, and we got... Bubsy writing. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm being, I'm being extra harsh. You are being extra harsh. But I, I know, know you had yeah. high expectations. You had very high they, expectations. Yeah, It's sitting here. I'll play it. I have to play it because I'm not a Mass Effect fan if I don't play and finish that game. So, yeah, it's I a- think my expectations were a little more tempted because I was getting, I was one of those people who was a little worried when, you know, the game was supposed to be out in six months and we had barely seen gameplay, which... Yeah. I, I think there's a difference between never talking about a game and being like, hey, it's coming out, and you show us a trailer is very different than everyone knows this thing is happening and we just don't see anything. So that's for me where I was like, maybe this isn't, maybe it'll be great. I was hoping it was going to be great, but I had dialed back my expectations, and I think that's why as a result, um, I, I enjoyed what I played, and like I said, I do want to get back and finish that game. We'll see if it happens. Just I did a dumb thing thing and bought the witcher complete edition for 20 dollars. so <laughs> uh, so we'll see about that anyway to wrap this up before we finalize this obviously you know we've mentioned multiple times now that this friday big day we have assassin's creed 2 we have wolfenstein 2 we have mario coming out and on the horizon uh we still have call of duty world war 2 and we have battlefront 2 how of those five games and maybe shadow of war or something like that might get in there but of those five games, how many of those five do you think will end up on this top 10 best-selling of the year list? I mean, it's a no-brainer that Call of Duty is going to hit that list. Mm-hmm. Unfor- unfortunately, that's where we're at. They don't have – and this isn't a dig on Call of Duty, but the problem that we're having right now is they don't have to put out a quality game to hit, to hit that, which I think is kind of a bummer. I think the game will be good, but I think at the state we're at, people are going to buy Call of Duty. It's always going to be on that top ten. Yeah, probably. Uh, I I don't see Star Wars hitting it. You don't think so? I don't. I don't. Mm. I think Mortar Mortar's going to hit it for sure. Hmm. There's enough of a following, I think, and people are so much positive buzz about it. But there's so much negative buzz around Battlefront Two right now. Yeah, but if you are, and I hate I was using this term, quote unquote, like average consumer. But if you are, you know, mom or dad or whoever who doesn't follow the industry like we do walking into a store for the holidays and you see Battlefront 2 sitting next to Shadow of War, which game are you going to buy? Yeah, yeah, I guess you're true. The impulse, I guess, yeah, the uninformed shopper will get Battlefront 2, I guess. I think Star Wars, as big of an audience as it is, it's still a little uh, niche for, like, its core audience, like, you're still running into this group, these groups of people who just don't like the Star Wars theme. 
Yeah, true, but like your for Shadow of War, like there's not even like Lord yeah, of the Rings branding on it. You know, like there was Lord of the Rings branding on it. Like you're really not gonna, and I, cause I don't really think there's much of that on it at all. So, yeah, um, you're right. That's a bad comparison. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. What were the other games? I already forgot. Uh, so, uh, and then obviously Assassin's Creed, oh, uh, Mario, and Mario's Wolfenstein. gonna be on there. Mario's selling consoles for yeah. sure. Assassin's Creed will be on there. Yeah, a top yeah. ten though. Uh, for the year, I don't know if yeah. they're gonna push these other games off the list. Is it in order of selling? Oh, yeah, Ma- that Mass is in effect. order of sales. Yeah, one to ten. That is in order of sales. They don't have the numbers there, but that's in order of units sold. Yep. Yeah, I, I guess I could see maybe the bottom three getting bumped off. It's a bummer. Horizon will be bumped off, but um, yeah. yeah, I could see Mario for sure, Assassin's Creed for sure, and I think Call of Duty for sure. I think the rest is just kind of a wild card. Yeah, I think um, four or five of those games, I think, could still... I don't think Wolfenstein's going to get on there. I'm going to play it for sure, but I don't think it's going to make a top ten. But I think... And I don't think Shadow of War will either, but I think Mario, Call of Duty, Battlefront, and Assassin's Creed all easily could, pushing, you know... And then I think, obviously, I think Zelda will continue to sell more. Horizon might get a fighting chance to pull in at number 10 because they have that game of the year edition coming out, but it's not coming out until December. They can do a bundle. Maybe that might help. I don't know if they're going to do a bundle. Yeah. I mean, who knows what we'll, we'll see for black Friday. Who knows what retailers will put together. Yeah. But I think easily, I think seven through 10 for sure could be bumped off this list. Um, And then we'd have those four games coming in um, in the last two months to, to shake this out a little bit differently. So for sure. Yeah, what are you picking up for Friday? Are you picking up I just just Assassin's Creed? No Mario I, Day One. I want Mario, but um, financially, uh, we're trying, I hear you. financially we're trying to uh, be smarter. I'm really bummed because I traded in games at GameStop, and then today they put out forty percent bonus towards Assassin's oh, Creed. Oh no! So uh, I could, I could have got Mario and Assassin's Creed, and I guess Mario is not out of the question, but. Mario, Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Yeah, no, I hear you. So, I definitely hear you. So, and I don't even know if I'll be getting that right away because um, we might just pick it up at PAX. Uh, in November? Although, I mean, there's no reason to not get it now. I'll probably just get it this weekend. <laughs> well, if you're not going to play it, though, you know. Well, well, I'll make sure we play it. We <laughs> <laughs> awesome. start it. We start it. What about awesome. you? Um, I might buy all three, maybe. Uh, it'll be Assassin's Creed and Mario for sure. I, uh, yeah. Those two are definitely pickups. Wolfenstein, I want to pick it up just because I want to support them, but I'm. I know. I feel you. I want to get Wolfenstein and Doom. I want to get Doom on the Switch. Yeah, I have Doom on PS4. It's pretty darn good. I had it on Xbox, but uh, I traded it in. Mm. Maybe. Yeah, I got it on a digital sale for like 15 bucks. So, yeah, definitely easily worth that. But I just really want to support them. I think I really enjoyed the first Wolfenstein. It was was a pleasant surprise. And, um, you know, with the visual stuff we talked about, like I want to make sure I'm supporting people who are making single-player-only games. So especially if I'm interested in them. So for sure, Origins, Assassin's Creed, and Mario Wolfenstein – to be determined, I <laughs> I want to, but I'll have to see how impulsive I am that day, or if I'm just spending it on Pandemic Legacy Season 2. <laughs> so, what do you say? Should we wrap this up? I think, yeah, I think we should. Okay. 
All right. Oh, was it my turn? <laughs> it is your turn. That's cool. <laughs> okay. Well, that does it for this week on Board with Video Games. <laughs> um, thanks for joining us. And uh, remember, social media at Board with Video Games, and it's at Board with VG, B O A R D. Um, that's uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, please share with us what you're playing. Uh, make sure you use the hashtag board with VG so we can see it and we can get the hashtag out. I'm very happy with our Instagram following right now. We got a lot of people jumping on board, so I wouldn't mind seeing some more Twitter followers. So share with your friends, share with your family, uh, say, uh, come listen to this technical disaster of a podcast <laughs> and maybe you'll get some laughs. Uh, just remember, it's B-O-A-R-D, uh, not bored, as B-O-R-E-D. And uh, you can find me as Josh Bones on, oh, God, on Twitter. Why So Serious on PlayStation, Xbox, and Board Game Geek. That's S-I-R-R-I-U-S. And Kyle, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter, the PlayStation Network, and Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. I actually just posted the other day, slash today, a review for Hob on PlaySomeVideoGames.com, so check out that review, which I talked about it on this podcast a couple weeks ago, so full review up right now. So please go check that out, a game that is worth your time. Uh, if you have any suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on social media. We got one asking us about Mice and Mystics. Uh, the answer is yes, we'll be at some point cover Mice and Mystics before the end of the year, hopefully. I know Josh wants to dig into that game a little bit more. I've already played through it. So, um, yes, Mice and Mystics hopefully coming soon. Um, and remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. has been a production of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Find more great content at PlaySomeVideoGames.com.